Back to this week's action for everyone for this here January twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. I am, as always, your host Mike Scott, joined on this fine Sunday morning by Vice Victus. Vice, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so well. Good morning, good evening, afternoon, everybody, all wherever you are around the world. Once again, another lovely, beautiful action for everyone here with the boys, the lads, the homies, the patriots, all that. We're here for you. <laughs> and uh, Liam O'Donnell, Liam, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing great, guys. It's uh, I uh, was at uh, the beach for five days in a row this week. My son's uh, taking uh, sailing this summer, Opti 2, cruising around uh, King Harbor in Redondo Beach. And, um, you know, it's all those, you know, kind of annoying influencers who tell you to go outside, touch grass, get vitamin D, put your feet in the sand. Ah, it turns out it actually works. My uh, mental health is like skyrocketing and I feel fantastic. Took the kids to the pool yesterday. Uh, we're the kings of summer. Bring it on. Yeah, you guys, for you guys who can't see, Liam is literally glowing. Like, not just because of the positive vibes, but like uh, he went from alabaster white to, um, I won't say lobster, because that would be bad. He's like a snow crab complexion. Which is, which uh, is I, prefer, I prefer rosé. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sure enough, sure enough. Yeah, good to see you in good spirits. <laughs> Bison Liam are also ringing in sleeveless season. So for everybody that's listening, you know it's it is that time. Hashtag sleeveless season. So get your uh, get your get your sleeves out. Um, it's, I'm saying we're such like idiots on Twitter uh, all the time that you never know what actually is going to stick. And so when I start seeing people hashtag it back at me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a fucking moron. That's so funny. That's that 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 actually lasted a year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, so this week, you know, not not a lot of uh, not a lot of big releases that are relevant to the podcast. Not a lot of uh, there. There are still some DTVs we're working through that we. Have haven't talked about but uh this week we're going to get into kandahar because we didn't give that we hadn't had the time because we had some guests and stuff to give it its due attention so we'll be doing that today then uh, liam's going to give us a little bit on renfield which he he tells me has more action than he was expecting so i think it, it probably fits for our podcast and then 
Liam and I are going to wrap up talking about uh, a movie called Shiro's that I will I will save for the end of the podcast. So uh, with that, let's get into Kandahar. Vice, uh, you saw this first. Uh, Liam did not get a chance to see this, but I, I watched it last night. Um, so, yeah, tell us your thoughts on Kandahar. Yeah, yeah. So we have yet another um, uh, Gerard Butler, the beef. And Rip Woman Raw joint. And once again, they knock it out of the park, basically. Like uh these guys are like they have no misses. Um, so as you might have seen in the trailer beforehand, it's uh uh essentially this uh covert agent uh in uh is trying to escape after uh doing some sabotage to uh the Iranian uh nuclear program. Uh and then along the way he has to escape into Afghanistan, into Kandahar to reach the uh, eager, uh the extraction point. So, you know, just just that alone, just that premise, you know, very Tom Clancy boilerplate B movie action stuff from the '90s kind of stuff. You know, it's like it's, it's it's on its face and on its in its premise, it sounds like very like um, tired. But that's kind of the magic of like Rob Butler movies and Rick, especially when he does it with uh, Rick Woman was like um, it's using this kind of the same one might say tired quote unquote um, fabric, but it's making something really interesting out of this stuff. Like 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 just like the the spark they have of how they approach these, what we, what we consider, you know, or what's kind of derisively referred to as dad action movies. They do it really like uh, inspired is the best, best I can say. And so um, the film, like, you know, what you, you, see, you, like, you might expect is to say, oh, here's the white guy and it's like a and his, uh, his brown friend tagging along to escape from the bad guys. And it is that, but there's actually so much going on, like uh, just the, the texture of it all, the, uh, the layers, not layers, but like uh, the different parts of it. For one, um, like I, I kind of mentioned this. Uh, I, I mentioned in my review on Twitter, like uh, the this is not um, the, the Covenant. We yeah, that we talked about before, um, but it's, but then that's probably maybe it's like when it's the weakest point. But then it becomes in some parts a uh, secret uh, Pakistani Double Seven movie. Like it's kind of out of nowhere. It's like really interesting parts of other countries, other nations, other militaries. Other factions uh, like interplay in this film. So, so I, when I you know when I mentioned Tom Clancy, I don't mean it like derisively. I mean like a there's actually like all this like intrigue going on in what again would be a simple like meathead boil plate action joint of just a guy trying to be uh, in a long car chase basically. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, really really surprised about how how well how much I like this because uh by what how much is going on. Um, you know, like I said, all the uh, the factional stuff or the factional warfare going on. Um, and they and the thing is like they all kind of take it it's all taken seriously insofar as it's um they the movies still uh it borders it balances being a serious military thriller also being a fun meathead action movie that, that we expect from Joe Butler and like, that's like, again that's they're kind of that's the special sauce they have they can make this uh kind of compelling stuff but still be entertaining uh but yeah overall so overall yeah I just I was really surprised at how much like this and um you know, especially that you know, it's kind of these uh, double movies like uh, you have the Covenant about a white guy trying to escape Afghanistan, then you have the uh, then you have Kandahar about a white guy trying to escape Afghanistan, and and it both films they have their uh, Afghan counterpart that has along with them, and but both those movies do really interesting things with that, and same here, um, yeah, so like it, it, so yeah, it's funny to see you know we, we had a White House down and Olympus has fallen, and now years later we have kind of this too, but like like the, these double movies with Rob Butler in it. And uh, it's just uh, really, yeah, it, it works, man. It's, I'm really glad I, this came out this year. And uh, I know I, I didn't get too much like buzz or or, or press, I guess. Uh, but you know, I guess again, I think people just kind of wrote it off as just like another like stupid, you know, military propaganda action movie. But uh, there's a lot going on under the hood here. That I really enjoyed. 
Yeah, it, it it would have been, I think, real easy, you know, even based on the trailers, real easy to kind of, uh, you know, just knock this one off as a, I don't want to watch another military propaganda movie where Gerard Butler kills a lot of brown people. And, 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 and that's that's not that's not an unfair criticism. And it's not even necessarily an unfair criticism of this movie, <clears throat> but there is so much more going on in this than first of all, I I really, really liked this one. I, I I was really drawn into this, but it is not the movie that I was expecting it to be. Um I was definitely expecting much more of a DTV, you know, action movie, not a good version of Green Zone. Uh, which, you know, this is what this kind of is. Um, so like it it it's it's definitely got some <sighs> There's, it's got some stuff on its mind, uh, which I thought was interesting. It's Butler in much more of a uh, an actual committed, serious performance than than some of his, you know, more meathead action performances. But you're right, Vice. It does not skimp on the meathead action. Um, you know, we'll talk. There's one major. There's not that much action in it, but there is one major set piece in the middle that's that's pretty uh, just spectacular. Um, but the other thing that I was really blown away by is uh I, I mean the the absolute high point was uh an Indian actor named Ali Fazal who plays the Pakistani special agent that's that's kind of Butler's nemesis throughout this whole movie. Wah clearly knew what he had uh in Fazal because he hooks him the fuck up in this movie. He is so hooked up in this movie it's ridiculous and he takes that and runs with it he's i know him he's in a he's in an indian movie that i actually enjoy quite a bit it's a it's a comedy called three idiots it's got him and and amir khan and it's it's a fun it's a good it's a good romantic comedy it's a not, kind of not romantic comedy but comedy um but i didn't know he had this in him he is such a like just you know, minor spoilers. He plays a Pakistani special agent, but who is also like not into any of this Middle Eastern holy war bullshit, right? Dude, he he is wants so over it. It's he amazing. Is I'm like so over it. He wants to be in London or Spain or you know, he wants he he wants none of this. Uh, but he's a good soldier, so he's doing his job. But yeah, his that like world weariness that he conveys and just this fuck this i hate every fucking thing about this is is so goddamn good yeah and it's even like it's not even just like um you know in a lot of films like this of oh, this ilk we have the uh the bad guy shadow nemesis and he's like just like a he's just a black a cypher like uh remember in um black hawk down they had the uh the nameless small lieutenant you know the guy in the black turban and the black sunglasses like so you know he's the bad guy and he never says a word like that's like that's kind of our type they're going with here but like no this guy he's just so sarcastic and like uh likable like you like like for all sense of purposes he should be you as an american audience like he should be the bad guy to us you know like like his first scene he's uh basically he's a uh, he's the well kind of mirroring the real life real world um parallel or, or, or connections of pakistani isi their, their cgia kind of works with and manages quote-unquote the taliban um, so they show him doing that. They, 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 the first scene is him in a meeting with the Taliban. And he's like, "You guys are fucking idiots!" Like he's he's talking to them like <laughs> like like he's telling them what we would say to them, but like he's the st yet he's their like their ward. It's a very strange thing, and th that it speaks to the um 
weird complexity of what the movie of the I guess now we're the post global war on terror, um, all the political morass, like everything from like how how the fall of Iraq leads to like you know Daesh or ISIS ISIL and like you know the way the, the we're in play between Pakistan India Afghanistan all the the all these countries and these large terror networks and how they have both a hand in it and a hand trying to contain it at the same time. So the movie, the movie is like touching on this stuff, pretty serious stuff, but it's oddly he's having fun with it. He's like, you know, like, like, like you say, he'd rather, he rather be back at home listening to hip hop, like than dealing with the fucking Taliban. The, like as, as he says, these old dinosaurs. It's a very strange, it's a very unusual uh, uh, dynamic that you don't really see in a, any movie, really, let alone like a, a what you would expect as a propaganda movie. It's, it's really, it's really great. Yeah, he's such a he's such a unique character in these types of movies um, because again, you you know you're fully expecting. Gerard Butler kills people in turbans, but then you you drop Fazal's character in this, and he, he's just you know even his this is a minor spoiler because it happens right at the start of the movie. Even his introduction, you know, he's talking to to all the Taliban, like you said, and he's he's in the appropriate attire, and then as soon as the meeting's done, he gets this great setup hero shot as he walks out and like rips all that stuff off, and he's in you know he's in like a leather jacket and like totally you know completely contemporary puts in his his airpods and you know like it's just it's just such an, an interesting dichotomy and i'm i'm the whitest person trying to articulate what i think is so interesting about this movie so if i stumble you know please 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 give me you know forgive me but um feel free to let me know if i stumble but you know give me a little bit of a latitude here but i just i really was not expecting a performance like that in this movie at all and i could not take my eyes off him i i like i'm all in on um i am all in what's his character's name uh fahir uh no cahill i am if they want to do like tile spinoffs i am i'm like all in on that i will absolutely watch <laughs> him do you know tom clancy shit you know yeah. all day long like it's, it's like like he looks like like tom cruise in it's possible too in the movie. Like he's riding a cool motorcycle. Like that's what the shades. Like like that's what he looks like. But he's like the nominal bad guy, quote unquote. It's just totally good to see. And meanwhile, then you, then of course the contrast contrast that with the old faithful Gerard Butler. You know, being like the the, the big heavy meat guy. But even here, it's, it's a little bit. There's a bit of a, um, a nuance to it as well. Like because they, they never really say like. Well, one of the characters says like you know he's a he's a um a lifer, and like when he's doing his job he looks like a um kind of like a, a scientist like you know like he looks like he looks like his character in greenland but then he kind of then he becomes you know uh uh mike banning it's like and it kind of speaks like a there well part of the thing is that real cia or real field agents they don't look like Robert, they look like you know like a, a, a nerdy dudes because the point the point is to like blend in and like be discreet so he's he could this his acting he can like look like this like kind of oafish you know, like dad guy, but then when the time the, when it's time to bust the gun, he he, he like he changes to like he, now I'm now I'm an action hero, Gerard Butler, and he, he like this again. It's like I mentioned before, like he's a really he has great acting skills, and I think people just either take for granted or like, like don't don't want to want to dismiss him for. So like, but him maybe going to do this in this movie to show this kind of sides of his like uh, this his subtlety, and then it's like but there still be his full action chops. It, it's like again, it's like I think one of the high points of his of his of his. Of the Gerard Butler movies is this one like it's really that good at what he's doing all around the acting and the action as well. It's like again, there's not too much action in it, but when it does happen, it's like his his dramatic parts make those action parts like re really resonate. 
even though there's not much of them. It's, it's really well done. Yeah, we also need to, to talk about. Uh, I hope I pronounce his name right. Navid uh, Negabon as as Mo, the uh, the translator. Like, talk about a guy who's over. Like, like he's just like, what the fuck, man? I I did not. This is not like part of what I signed up for. And he, but he's so compelling in this. And they have they have such a very good, uh, I think, relationship interplay uh, that, that again goes in directions you're not necessarily expecting every time this movie was going to kind of go and don't get me wrong. This isn't some movie that, that goes way off the beaten path and subverts expectations or anything. It's subtle, but anytime I thought it was going to go one way, it subtly kind of goes a different way. And um, that, that, that was really cool. I thought their interplay is great. Uh, a little bit of optimism in what I think is actually quite a nihilistic movie i mean this is a movie that very much is is wallowing in the dehumanizing effects of war uh there there and really does focus on there are no good guys here nobody here is you know we have our protagonists ostensibly in in mo and and tom butler and and negabon's characters but you know, Butler's not a good guy. His character is absolutely he's doing he's doing black ops shit for the CIA, you know, like killing thousands of people um, by by some of his actions. And so it's like there are no good guys here. There is just there is just war and there is just a little bit of humanity that you can claw back tooth and nail. And that's really all it offers up. Yeah, and I want to say like um, I mentioned the the covenant before, and I think part of the thing when, when that first came out, um, I, we, people who didn't who ended up seeing it were surprised at how um human it was, and but the thing is in that one when, when we reviewed it, um, they kind of forego any kind of deeper dives into the uh, social political background of how we can't how this came to be how our vision of Afghanistan and the mess it left, which I which I would I expected from well. The tools were there to do it with Richie and Gyllenhaal, um, but it, they didn't bother with it because, they, to, to his credit, it was good. But yeah, this movie of all things, you know, Gerard Butler joint is going deep into the into like we fucked up Afghanistan, we fucked up us being the world police is fucking everything up. Like, you know, he he, he, he the character always says this aloud, like you know, and again, like you, you don't expect us again a quote unquote dumb action movie to do this, but like. This movie of all things is doing it and like not being afraid, especially like I said, you know, we're now in the the, the post GWAT era of movies now, where we're we're now these are some of the first movies to be um, directly reflecting on the 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 close out the end of the Forever War, and this is a really strong one of these first impressions of uh, us us in Americans in movies saying out loud we fucked up like and not, not and not just like you know. It was for a good cause, whether or not it was like, no, this is this is all, this is all a mistake. It's all a terrible idea, and it just it it it, it doesn't shy away from that at all. So I just really res- I really respect that it's doing that. And it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a full diatribe, but like just the fact that it's saying it, not afraid to be that way. You know, like com- compared to like, and this is not an insult to Top Gun, but like you know, in Maverick, there's like the the nameless uh, enemy. You know, and that, that's on purpose. They, they they don't. There's a reason why Maverick is uh, apolitical, as it were. It's trying to do a specific thing, but here I no. This is like no. We're we're talking about what we did, and it was fucked up. I really I really respect that it's doing that. Yeah, I mean, even I, you know, there's there's a scene at the start when uh Hill's talking to the Taliban, and and they're like, we need more ammunition, and he's like, how the fuck are you out of ammunition? That the Americans left you with all of it, you know. <laughs> so I mean, it, it like 
there it just yeah there is it refuses to take sides it takes it takes the sides of it really takes the side of mo and mo is really the one person that the movie sort of has uh you know he's our he's our audience surrogate but he's also the person that the movie fills represents the 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 innocent people who are swept up in all this bullshit you know um so yeah it, it 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 hits a lot harder than I was expecting it to. I, I, I really did not, I did not see it coming. Um, and, and that's, the, that's always kind of the best kind of feeling. Um, yeah. I, 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 well, I want to mention like, you know, Momo, like, a, the, you know, the, one of our, one of our faithful members, uh, online mentioned that like, this is one of the best, like surprisingly best, uh, representations of, of Muslim identity that they've seen in a years in a movie. Because there's a part of the movie where, um, Mola takes time to to do a prayer, and you see him do the full prayer um, routine, and then but right after it, it's, he has like this really like um, in depth heart to heart discussion with Rabola's character about like what what's what's transpired in the past twenty years. Like it's it's totally on the side of of the the the, the Afghanistan people and the Afghan people and like uh and all and just by in proxy all people who have been who have been victim to our on various wars and yeah and but also at the same time there's a really interesting thing like uh, even like he, might, he might be the one good guy and then how uh, you mentioned before it's like there's no all, everyone else is a bad guy like even if they're sympathetic really interesting character here is um i guess he's like the handler uh actor Trav- travis fimmel he plays uh roman he's like i guess he's like the cia handler of the character and he's a fascinating thing too because uh he's a white muslim like they don't really they don't specifically say um his background, because you know he's, he's a CIA guy, but they have any. But he's a clearly American white guy, but he's like a, pra- a practicing Muslim. Like he's doing, like there's a scene where he's doing all you know the, all the black ops phone calls, but then he goes to pray. And at first you think that like, oh, is he undercover? Like is he uh, undercover? Um, uh, uh, to try you know, infiltrate a mosque, like you know, get some dirt. And then you realize like, as the movie goes, like, no, he's he's practicing his legitimate faith. And but and then that comes into play in the end, which I won't spoil. But like you know that. His expression of faith, um, at, in the in that movie, is like, oh wow, like it's just really, really again, it's really like thorny stuff that you wouldn't expect from some movies like this. That, and but it's still it's like punching above his weight and saying things that are kind of not brave, but like you know, surprising and things that we should be saying in movies that you know about, about, about all the stuff that other bigger productions are somehow scared to talk about. You know, like is it just, yeah, again, it's just yeah, it's. Like punching brother's weight and it's uh i don't know it's really startling like it's, it's boldness of what it's saying in these movies while still being a general fun action film it's it's, it's really i don't know I, I the more i think about it the more i like it the more, the more i'm kind of like i think it's a special kind of special really um yeah it's, again, like, it's one of those movies that sticks with it's gonna stick with me i think i think by the time we get to the end of the year and like when we're you and i are doing our war you know our war retrospective yeah um I think this is going to be real high up on the list for me. I think I think it's just going to marinate for a while uh, because yeah. even even just as you and I have been talking about it, I'm finding other things like I, I completely forgot about. I mean, I didn't forget about it, but like, yeah, I didn't even think about talking about Travis Fimmel's character in it, you know, like. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't for people listening, I don't want to oversell the movie. I mean, at the end of the day, it is still a Gerard Butler movie, but yeah, <laughs> there, but for this is one of those situations where you have to look at a movie at what it's trying to accomplish 
and what it succeeds at accomplishing. And I, I mean, I think it excels at everything it set out to do. Uh, this it's, is it's not, like, like an over, overachieving B movie. It's like, yeah. it's like a bunch of weight, but it's like, well, wow. And not to talk about, you know, our, 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 podcast lord and saver michael bay again but uh, but uh but uh it, this is very bay like in that it is a very people on the ground movie the the yeah. sympathy is for the people on the ground and there is very little sympathy for the people who make the decisions that led to this you know in fact but but you barely even see those people because like the highest people you see are basically mid-level managers who are just trying to you know they're just doing the same thing right they're caught up in all of this too so it's it, it has a lot of bile for the people at the top of the food chain who have created this clusterfuck of a situation um but also, so, just yeah, like you said, well, I, I kind of do want to spoil it because like this does relate to like the other action movies that we talked about pre previously and you know, Extraction Two. Like I gotta say, it, it's like it's a fucking dope ass helicopter gunfight. This movie, like out of nowhere, it's just like <laughs> it's just like I don't think know, that's just, a spoiler. That's in the trailers. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can see, but, yeah. Even though like, you know, it just, just, the way the way it uh, unfolds, like it's, it's, it's a nighttime chase, and like it's really the way it's presented. It's uh, it's like a m mainly or mostly in the in the night vision. Uh, they're yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a really dynamic. It's a really dynamic sequence that's really impressive. Like one of the, I think one of the most definitely impressive action scenes I've seen so far this year. Um, like the way that and the, the, the way the, ge the geography is, the setup of uh, how how does one outsmart and outmaneuver and outgun out a helicopter in the desert? And they kind of show you. It is really, yeah, it's really inventive kind of stuff for using that, using that limitation. Um, plus this one little X factor here, the night vision device. And kind of making a making it work. It's just really, really well done. I, 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 yeah, I, I will, I, I, as soon as I'm able to, I'm gonna put a clip on it on, on uh, YouTube on my Twitter because uh, I, I just, people need to know that this is the cool thing that's in the movie. Like you know, we we, we saw the extraction too. The, uh, you know, there's all the um, clips around of, of Chris Hemsworth with the 240 getting down the helicopter, and the way you know, and it's very the um, rah rah action kind of verve, which is what we want. But then you see Gerard Butler, his take on it, and Rick Ross take on it, and it's like. They're doing the same thing. They're shooting that helicopter, but just the vibe and the tone and the and the style of it is all so different. It's just really, really, really interesting stuff going on. Well, and it's the one time there is, even though the vibe is different, it's also kind of the there's really two only two times in the movie that you would get what I call like a traditional hero shot. And the end of the helicopter fight, you know, you get you get Wah just absolutely hooking up Butler with an iconic shot. Um, but you know, the rest of it is it's a much more grounded, much more gritty. And and for people who when you hear that it's shot through night vision and you're thinking of as I often do when I hear something shot through night vision, the terrible rollerball remake that has one of the worst action scenes ever in it. Uh no, this looks good. It's easy, the geography is easy to track. It doesn't, it's not gonna make your eyes bleed or anything like that. It, it looks very good. Um yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, this I, I as we've been saying, this recommend this one. Um, like I, I, I I'm totally biased, of course. One of being um, an acolyte of the the Butlerian Jihad, also being you know, my my veteran status. You no, know, I love all these fucking dumbass war movies. But no, this is like I think people who like hate war movies should will get kicked out of this. Like this is like oh, this is like they're these guys aren't dumb. I mean, it's still dumb, but it's like oh wait, maybe these guys have some. They, I missed something here. I, I really recommend it. anybody. Uh, action movie kind of fan or just like a drama fan like this is like really i recommend watching this this is like this is a, it's different it's not what you expect and out of out of the other stuff in 
this year that come out so far. You know, yeah, it's not you know that I was saying this but you know, hey, that that's I I would say it's for me it's like a just as distinct in that regard, at least among other action films. It's like I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, just for Ali Fazal's performance alone. I mean, if you watch it for no other reason, he is giving a performance that demands you, you know, watching this movie. Um, all right. Well, so, yeah, it's a strong wreck for me and Vice. Vice, you also checked out the third big uh, shooting down helicopters movie. Uh, you <laughs> caught up with uh, at least a part of Patan. Uh, yeah. So just, you know, you everybody knows I loved it. I think most of our listeners who want to see it have probably already even seen it. But yeah, give us your your thoughts on it. Yeah. So I won't get I won't do a full review, but just like uh, I have enjoyed the various um, Indian blockbusters as, the, as they've been showing in America to various degrees. Um, I think, and I think, I think I've seen enough where I have a, there's a specific kind that I like, you know, I like the, the war and the, and this one and, and like, uh, and also like, um, some of the, some of the more, um, classical war films as well. Um, I guess is the one that takes place in like World War One. So like, I, I think I've figured out my, uh, my flavor of, of Indian films. Uh, and this one is definitely, it is definitely that, uh, that, that's what I, that's what I like, um, uh, you know, it's, it, but in, it's well done. Well, you know, it's um, there's that very um, over surreality of Indian films that we, you know, other various regions. So you can you, you, that's how I say it. it's obviously fake, but they make it they make it um, so most like in, in, engaging that you don't care. Well, I I say this as an American, not you know for Indian this is like it's, it's standard fare. But to me, as an American watching their type of movies, like oh, I can see that it's the artifice is so overt. Compared to our stuff, but I like it because they they don't they're not afraid of it, and so this is, and so but here with you know the artifice is there it's very obvious but like the act the actual meat and bones of the action is great you know it's like it's really solid stuff, um and I, and I guess uh, it reminds me that um well it kind of I was thinking about actually the fast X movie the fast fierce movies like um the fast movies have become these they're trying to do Indian style surreality but they kind of suck at it because like. They still like they don't want even even them being sincere about family and everything. They can't get over like trying to be. No, it's hard to explain because in the movies they're all cool. They're all about being cool and posing. But the way, at least the way Vin Diesel does it, it just it doesn't it doesn't work. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like for, I, I guess like in any movies, it's so obviously that they're trying to be cool and it's silly, but that's why it's cool. Where in the fast movies, like it's obviously trying to be cool, but it's not cool because it's he's trying too hard. It's a very strange distinction. There's still the fast, the fast, the fast movies are 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 now not cool. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you, we 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 now are saying that the Fast and Furious movies are not cool. <laughs> For me, well, yeah, have they grown that. uncool? Because I think there's a lot of very cool. Yeah, shit. oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's such a good distinction. They did feel grow uncool to me, but then now you, you have like you know, uh, buff gay Joker kind of bringing it back. So you know, at least it has that guy saving grace going for the most recent movie. But otherwise, like no, like we said before, like Diesel himself, like he he doesn't have the juice no more to me. I don't know. It's, so you know that that kind of feeling, like you know that when you see the hero trying to be cool, and it's obviously silly, but it doesn't quite catch. 
for me? I, I think they're very similar. And I think I, maybe it's because I just watched Chronicles of Riddick last night, but he mm-hmm. is so, he's such a poser. Like, and I mean yeah. that in the best, like, like every single hero shot of him, he's like perfectly hitting his poses <laughs> and like flexing like his interior delt. Like it's always, it's yeah. he's always well, lived up and it's like, it, you know, he's obviously, it's a great, the goggles make for such yeah. a great thing to have a stunt double do a lot of stuff, but he could really move uh, back then too. Like there's a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. that's clearly him in, uh, in the Riddick movies. Uh, but he is, uh, he is a poser in a, in, and I mean that as a compliment, like Arnold is a poser. I mean, Arnold right. literally he, is, he, is a poser. P O S E R. Not, not uh, yeah. <laughs> as in he's I'm not, a, not, he is not a, a guy. Child. Yeah. He is a guy who, Poses, not, yes. uh, not, yeah, not a fraudulent poser. Not like me with a chal- with a with a with a chain wallet trying to pretend I could skateboard well in in 1995. No, it was terrible. Well, you know, I don't um, know it's kind of because, like, you know, he, he like that's such a, a great uh, point to make because, like, um, a lot of these a lot of these Indian actors now, the superstars who are hot shit back then, they're older now, like Vin Diesel. They're they're, they're the same age group, but you know, when I, in uh, this one, a baton, it stars a. Uh, uh, is a Shah Rukh Khan, you know, superstar in India, like beautifully, impossibly handsome, and like kind of, he's ver- he's obviously older, but one, he's still fucking shredded. I don't know, whatever they got, whatever cycle they got going over there, whatever trend, whatever they do, doing it, at least some of that shit. This is great. He looks, he looks amazing, but like he's still obviously an older guy, but like it's still he's you know he's almost cooler as an older guy than when he was back as in his prime. Whereas that that the, that same dynamic doesn't quite work for Vin Diesel, even though he's obviously trying to like be an elder statesman, cool guy. It's not the same. It's not, it's not, it doesn't work the same. It doesn't work at all. That's and I think that's that's what the uh, Indian films can pull off that our stuff can't really yet. Uh, like, most of our older guys have to like kind of be um, deprecated to a, deprecated to a, to a degree for us to buy into it. Oh wait, we, we know you're old, but like you know, like, like Keanu, like Keanu's a god, but like he like he has to get beat up. He has to beat the fuck up for us like buy into him being like this. You know, John Wick, you know, like, like, we love him so much that, but yet we have to, like, he has to, so, like, um, he's not invincible. Well, well, he's not. Well, I mean, I just think thing. that's, that's, that's just good drama. I mean, that, that yeah. was the thing that when I'm watching the end of Chronicles of Riddick last night is that the Lord Marshal, Colm Fiore, I believe the name is, it just kicks the shit out of him for like, yeah three minutes and it was like man i haven't seen vin diesel get his ass kicked in like 20 years and and it's such a good fight because you see riddick's eyes like there's so much detail in that uh in that fight where that you see him trying to catch up on the timing and and they're doing the the dune weirding way stuff that the dune adaptions have never really figured out um and so yeah i was like oh this is so it was it was so refreshing and i just think that's sort of he just needs to to it, it, it inject more drama and go against people that like put him in a corner more instead of yeah. the OP thing. Um, yeah. But I mean, look, I, I'm I like like I would say, I, I never picked a side on Rock Diesel. I'm not picking a side on, on Diesel Momoa. I think all these guys should fight each other. I like it's like back to the to the 80s and 90s NBA. I don't want you guys to be friends. I want you guys to beef. <laughs> I want you guys to be petty bitches. Let the big boys fuss and fight. I love it. Oh, well, I see the point because I'm. So about this the cooperation. Um so part of this movie, this Pathan movie, is that um I didn't realize this before going in. It's part of a um shared universe thing, which is kind of a different a little bit of different way. Uh, uh, how do I explain this? Um 
So I already explained we, it. Thanks for listening to me when I did my review on this. No, 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 I already no, explained no, all of this. I remember. Okay. No, no, it's connected I'm, I'm, I'm to like, war. No, no. I mean, like the uh, the way that Indians approach the multiverse in, or the uh, streamers in general, like um, it's just like you're not dedicated to the franchise. You're dedicated to the stars. So, so this one is like a big ass cameo that happens in one of the big marquee scenes. But I didn't realize who it was at first. <laughs> really, I, I wasn't familiar. But like, you could tell, like, oh, this is like it's a big, it's a big fucking deal. And they're like. I don't know, like, again, same thing. Like, for hours, it would seem corny if that happened. Which, actually, speaking of Vin Diesel, this kind of did happen. When he did um, Triple, Triple X, The Return of the Brown People, um, the cameo at the end with Ice Cube. Like, <laughs> it kind of has something like, something like that here in this movie, but, like, it's so quick cool. I don't know. Like, Have guess, you been like, calling it The Return of the Brown People? <laughs> oh, oh, the full title is Triple X, Brown People, Action Force Go. That's the name of, Triple <laughs> X, that's the, name of the movie. It's all, it's all brown people. And it also has the star, uh, Mika Padone from that movie and this movie too. Yeah. Like, again, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I just like this. Pivoty time live on. Return of Xander Cage is very Bollywood, and I think that's yeah. why it's great. That's why I'm I'm kind of just sticking up for Finn Diesel, and I think I think you're just your 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 exoticism. You like the, when the other people it's, are doing no, it. No, no, no. Back the fuck off. We, we are not throwing that insult around on this no, show. Come on. You're, and, and if it's no, someone else no. doing the Settle silly, the fuck the silly down. cheesy stuff, it's cool. Settle down. Do it, it's corny. I Settle down. No. Chill out. No, because, because the, here's the thing. It's not fucking exoticism. I'm sorry. Triple X Return of Xander Cage is maybe the best American Bollywood style movie that has ever been made. It's fucking incredible. Fast 9 and Fast X suck. I'm sorry, those movies are bad. It's not exoticism to think those movies fucking blow because they blow. They're not good. I'm well, sorry. That's just your opinion. I mean, I, I disagree with you. You can, you yeah, can but that yell doesn't make it exoticism. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't make, make it, it right. exoticism. Well, we were talking to about Return of Xander Cage when I was making the comment. I wasn't talking about Fast 9 and Fast X. And Vice can clearly take. My ribs. You don't have to defend him. He's a big boy. I'm not I defending mean, him. I'm defending me because I get accused of the same bullshit. That, you that, might yeah, as well have yeah. been saying that to me too. So I'm like, just saying, you guys. It's like uh, I, I, you can make the point that this movie is good without saying. Like I think Tiger Shroff and Rithik Roshan do a lot of the same shit Vin Diesel does. Like almost exactly, they do the posing exactly the yeah. same way. I think. It's just the I'm different approach. Saying Vinny sucks at it. That's what I'm saying. He's not. He sucks at that. That's, that's, what I, that's, that's my uh, no, sticking point. No, <laughs> no. I, 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 I'll, I, I'm going to stand up for my Diesel Holics here. <laughs> standing up. I'm standing up for the red, white, and blue. Patriotism. Patriotism. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fast movies aren't cool. Vin Diesel sucks. What the fuck am I talking about right now? Blasphemy going on. Fucking, what is this? Uh, better than Arnold the Patriots. Man. <laughs> and I haven't even seen Baton. It looks great. I would watch it. I just, I. it's again, it's like we have to, everything has to be, we suck and everyone else is awesome. I don't know about that. Yeah. But this, this, this one definitely does, is awesome. So that, that's for sure. But yeah. That, point being, yeah, this one actually is awesome. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's just, um, yeah, it's like, and again, like the, the other parallels between you know everything from fast movies and Vin Diesel to even you know Attraction and Hemsworth and the Train and like all it's just really cool to see all this stuff kind of um coalescing in like movies like in this this year like there's all these similar beats and themes going on and same like because even this one Patan has like the same kind of similar um Pakistani ISI agent like the the but they're cool 
and how it interplays with uh, the nominal good guy. In this case, India is a good guy. Um, but you know, it's funny because in India, they say they kind of say that uh, Russia is their ally. So it's, again, it's a, the weird reflections of who's the good guy and bad guy in movies to us. It's just really cool to see. But yeah, like, all this stuff going on that's together is like um, it's, there's lots of similar things or similar structures, but to see them play out in these really cool different ways is like like. Uh, you know, people are like, I want to see something different. I want, we need more originality, whatever. We need, we need um, more uh, non-IP stuff. And I guess even though this one technically is an IP or whatever, but you know, it still doesn't feel like it. It's more like a cameo kind of thing. But like, it's just out here. People are doing this shit like dope, but nobody's nobody's showing up. I mean, it's again different in any case. In the, the Patan is like a Indian blockbuster, but like even then, here it's available on, on Amazon Prime right now, but nobody nobody's talking about it. You know, like yeah, it's just, all this stuff is out here that's like um doing. Really interesting stuff and original stuff. Well, original from their point of view, but still like similar structures. And this is really kind of exciting. I'm really excited about what, what I just seen in the past couple of days. Like, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I wasn't expecting this much fun, I guess, <laughs> from the 23, you know, because like, you know, I guess, I, I guess part of it was like, um, with all of our American, like Marvel stuff, the big, you know, we, we won't talk about the movie here, but the Flash is being a, a bomb, like all these, like, all other than like Guardians of the Galaxy, all these TV superhero movies. From this from this year that came out, oh, and Spider Man too, I guess. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like uh, other big, all the big buffers buffers for me weren't hitting. But then like this, more this, this other stuff comes along. Like, oh, this is what I want. I was really, it's really exciting for me. I really dig it. <laughs> all right, so that is a spirited discussion of Patan. Um... <laughs> it's just so funny. I was asking everybody on Twitter what their favorite Vin Diesel fight was last night, having a Vin Diesel love fest. And then I walk into Vin Diesel sucks. So yes, I'm, I'm defending uh, my guy. Have you um, thought about not carrying water for one of the biggest stars <laughs> in the world? I'm just saying like, I, I, it's my opinion. What do you want me to do? Come into your show and just pretend I have a different opinion than what my opinion is. I think people fucking tune in because they want me to be authentic to what I like. So I'm fucking saying what I like. Fair Please. enough. Fair enough. Speaking of, uh, tell us what you thought of Renfield. Okay. <laughs> Renfield is actually really, really interesting for our show because it is, it's a little bit like, I'm a little confused about what Universal is doing in some ways, but I, I kind of like it on one level. It's like, this is a movie that is too big for its budget and it's or its budget is too big for its concept and i feel like that was maybe a little bit with cocaine bear even though i haven't seen it <laughs> but it's like they they feel like they're making like ultra sized budget fantastic fest movies and you're kind of like like what what's going on here like it this exact same movie if you made it with nick cage and like the director of psycho gorman like steve kasansky would be fucking awesome if you made like a 10 to 12 million dollar version of that movie and you gave him those resources, I think people would be going nuts for it. But for some reason, it, it, like when you give all these other movie stars in it and, uh, you know, you got the voice of Sonic playing like a bad guy, uh, Ben Schwartz, <laughs> which, by the way, you could take all of his uh, crazy swears from this and like put it on top of Sonic footage and it would be quite funny. Um, <laughs> it's just like it, it starts to feel odd because it, it it doesn't feel like it's true to what that like you know that that low budget spirit i guess and um and it kind of turns what should be i think from the premise of a um horror comedy 
it has to have all this action because now you've got this bigger budget. So it actually is more of a superhero movie. And, and I say that kind of in a strangely disappointed way because it's like, wh what am I doing? Why is there so many genres kind of mixing up, which I seem to like generally. Um, but I do want to shout out the second unit director, um, Chris Brewster, because I do think the fights are well done. They are sort of Mortal Kombat style fights, like arms are ripped out of sockets and then used as weapons like nunchucks against other people and then thrown as stakes. Um, heads are, you know, punched off the top of necks. Um, there's there's even uh, a straight up Mortal Kombat x-ray shot when there's a big kick to someone's solar plexus and we see both shit coming out of the ass and blood coming out of the mouth. So, <laughs> like on its own, I, I think that the stunt team did a fantastic job. And I think um, it's a little bit like Scott Pilgrim in a way where you're like, if the movie doesn't work for you, you still have to say like, hey, these fights are all really, really well, like good. Um, I just not sure I, I love necessarily the the whole blend. Uh, and of course, Nick Cage is um, is kind of the reason why I watched it and awesome. But I still kind of was like, man, I would love to have seen just the, the low down dirty version of this. Um, even right at the beginning, there's a fight and the uh, like, a, a, a you know, he's coming into to uh, Renfield. Uh, if he eats bugs, he gets like a little bit of Dracula powers. So that's how it's a superhero movie. He's going to kill these guys. And then another hitman shows up and they made the decision for this hitman to have like a demonic voice and to be almost superpowered too. And so you're kind of like, what the fuck are the rules of this world? Like, isn't this guy the supernatural guy? Why does this hitman look like he's out of a comic book. Now, I guess it's, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman is is one of the the story guys. So I guess it, it, it has a little bit of that graphic novel comic book vibe. But um, there's just a little bit like it takes about it. It's only a 90 minute long movie, but it takes an hour for someone to acknowledge that Dracula exists in this world. Like like when he's like, I work for Dracula. Someone else is like, you mean like Dracula, Dracula, because like up until that point, I was like, does Dracula exist in this world? Are there actually <laughs> movies and books about Dracula in this? Because no one's mentioning it. Mm. You know, when Nick Cage shows up and says, I'm Count Dracula, people don't say like, what? Like, it it didn't have that, I felt like, kind of obligatory scene that should have happened in the first 30 minutes to tell you what the world was. Um, so it's a lot of complaints for like a two and a half star movie. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of people that did good work in it, specifically Cage and the stunt team. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's on Peacock streaming right now. So, I mean, I think I, and it's 90 minutes long. So that's a, about as, uh, as kind of down the middle of a review as I could give, but it is surprisingly, uh, more of a Mar Mortal Kombat movie than I was expecting. That, what you do is, oh, go ahead, Vice. Well, what you're describing is really interesting. So, like, um, I guess in the philosophy of it all, we, we, we hear people say that people say there's not enough um, mid-budget general general movies nowadays. You know, everything's either a big blockbuster or it's like an indie film. So, like, would you do you with this kind of movie? You're saying that the budget almost kind of hurts it a little bit. Um, I mean, a little bit because they, the the action has to be kind of so over the top instead of perhaps. Um, a little bit more DTV styled, yeah. um, you know, like there's this huge stunt that's gets CG and the CG blood goes all over the place. And then when the CG blood falls, there's not even specks of blood on Nick Holt's face. 
and you're kind of like right. like you know like i mean steve kazansky psycho gorman like yeah. he'd be covered in blood you know what i mean because it would be practical <laughs> there'd be caro syrup all over everything so but it's kind of like that vibe yeah i'm just kind of like i'm trying to like visualize a um curve or or diagram of um where like a genre movie should be in relation to its budget like like if it's an action-based genre movie should the budget be lower to make it better or if it, if it was like a sci-fi like like like, like like again, like the ones you make, like we have a higher concept, larger things. Like, of course, having budget, more budget would help you, like complete what. Well, it's also like you. it's like the, the the rest of the cast. Like, I, I don't think you need Aquafina in this, but once you have a sixty-five million dollar budget, then you kind of have to get all these other stars to bring in a bigger audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. don't. Nicholas Holt's good, but like, it's almost like I, I would have rather seen Cage with like up and comers. And yeah. have him just chew all the scenery, then have to try to stack the cast with all these yeah. different ringers. Uh, what was that one he did? Uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Holt, uh, a couple years ago, he was like a zombie. Uh, Warm Bodies uh, is what it was called. And it kind of sounds similar in that uh, it had a pretty, well, at least it looked like it had a pretty substantial budget for, its, for what it was. But in that, I think when that one, well, people don't like it, but um, that one didn't have much big stars either. It was just kind of, he was the, show, the showcase. And I think it, it matched the tone of that movie because it was like, it's just like weird, low indie low low five vibe movie there's, there's no like there was no one big main star uh, well it's rob course he's not, he's not a huge star but like uh that's what maybe what you're describing there is probably works better for that movie where it's like um well but then at the same time at the same time though i guess it doesn't work i guess the movie doesn't work without nick cage at all i guess there's like i know but nick cage is not 20 million dollars anymore you know what i mean <laughs> like like he's uh he he's gone back to studios so i'm sure his rate is higher than it was uh during the um you know four cage movies the, a year the phase. tax years the, yes. the tax bill years the blessed years uh the greatest <laughs> years of our lives um yeah that so so i it's just sort of the um the approach i don't know i you, you i i think i loved lego batman the director is chris mckay he did lego batman i have not seen the tomorrow war because a bunch of people said it reminded them of beyond skyline and i was like ah, oh, it just saves every time someone says that about one of the movies i end up not enjoying myself watching it so i just avoid <laughs> it that's that's a bit of a that's actually a bit of a weird uh, i mean i've seen the tomorrow war and it's it's a perfectly competent sci-fi blockbuster like 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 literally that's the best compliment i can give it it's perfectly competent um i don't i don't see a lot of beyond skyline i i see a lot of ties to a lot of other movies but i didn't right. see a lot of but, sure. you know it's certainly not something that i think you need to like yeah you, your life is not incomplete because you didn't see the tomorrow war although it was <laughs> nice Chris McKay did show he could handle a big budget with the with the movie and and a big you know moving parts kind of movie, but uh, yeah, and and I would say this too. It doesn't look like uh, there's money wasted on this movie. It's just sort of one of those again. Uh, I get it's a little bit more of like a Scott Mendelson conversation where you're sort of like, was this the right size and approach for this concept? Um, when it feels like you probably could have hired you know, a little less experienced people and taking a chance on this with just Nick Cage. Cause that, that was the real draw anyway. Like are mm -hmm. people going to see this for Nicholas Holt? I don't know. Uh, I love Nicholas Holt, but I just, it, I don't know. It's just one of those things that are like, something's off, something sort of like corporate rock about this movie when it should be more punk. <laughs> that is a great tagline. 
right there. I mean, yeah. that's like that's like a great review right there. Something corporate rock when it should be more punk. You actually, I, I have not seen this yet, but your complaint about the rules not making a lot of sense and being really inconsistent, you are not alone in that criticism. Even people that have liked the movie, like some friends of the show, uh, I have heard that complaint to the the idea of, well, does do people know about Dracula? Does he exist? Like, is this a common thing? Do they think he's do they think he's fictional? But then it turns out that he's real. Like, they're just they're, it sounds like there's not a lot of consistency with all of that throughout the movie. Um, no, which, it takes an hour to get to that, and it's a ninety minute movie. So you're kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Which I do again. I, I appreciated the runtime, and uh, my wife liked it a lot more than I did. She she laughed more than I did. Um, and it might just also be. The snark mind virus is like is starting to like really turn on me when there's a lot of snarky stuff. I'm just, uh, it, yeah, we've reached uh, past a point where these things did not bother me for years, and I liked I liked this type of stuff. And now when when you have that kind of like commentating on the movie as the movie is happening type of humor, I just kind of uh, I go cold. <laughs> Which you're almost guaranteed to get if Aquafina is in a big budget movie. I mean, that's kind of her, her, you know, absent her indie work that she's great in. But like, if she's in a big budget movie, that's kind of her shtick. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's getting a little tiring. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. So I, I'm with you on that one. So we would, we would, we would reach the singularity if uh, Ryan Reynolds and Aquafina do a movie together. Oh I yeah, that would, that would, just... that, that yeah, that would. Uh, right. So the lesson being. You should be more punk rock like Psycho Goreman and not corporate rock like Butch Riley. <laughs> I had to get that one in. Sorry. Fuck that dude. And that's where that's where the phrase was in my uh in my head because I saw your tweet earlier. <laughs> I can do a fucking show for Amazon Prime by the God King Bezos and be I'm a I'm a revolutionary. What are you a dick, dude? <laughs> Anyways. On to the next thing. <laughs> I love that this podcast is 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 like at war with Boots Riley, and he doesn't even know it. Like, yeah, my yeah. favorite, my favorite, my favorite nemeses are the ones that don't even realize they're your nemesis. They don't even know who yeah. you are. I'm nothing it's to him. I'm best. nothing to him. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Um, and, all right, and the, and the guy from the Guardian, the Guardian, and Boots <laughs> Riley. Still mad about that guy. We have a list of enemies that don't know we exist. That's great. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah! Speaking of which, uh, Liam, you got uh, you got published in the Huffington Post this week, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So Marvel Secret Invasion they uh, they they apparently hired Method Studios and um, wanted the I don't know if they wanted the AI art or the artist pitched AI art. They used some type of AI art for the opening credits, and I just was like, "Well, fuck this! I'm not watching the show. I've watched every MCU thing. I'm not going to watch it." And uh, and and I thought it did look like shit. Uh, lit, like you know, people say, "Oh, you didn't think it was AI? It didn't look like shit." I was like, yeah, "I thought it objectively looked like shit." Again, you guys, you guys listen to the show for my uh, authentic opinions. I feel like I've grown more authentic on the show than if you were to go back and listen to the the earlier episodes where I I, I couch a lot more. Um, and so yeah, I just tweeted that, and then uh, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> One of the producers on one of my projects is like, "Hey, you made the Huffington Post <laughs> and text it to me." I was like, oh, does anyone even read the Huffington Post anymore? That, that just feels like ten years ago. 
Well, it was nice though. You're uh, you're in good company because right before you uh, quoted was uh, Stephen Ford, who's another indie filmmaker and uh, Twitter good Twitter follow. If people don't follow him, make sure to follow Stephen. Uh, he was uh, the star of Common Rider Dragon Knight, so he came up through the whole American Tokusatsu stuff. Good guy, uh, good filmmaker, but he's right there with you, saying basically the same stuff. So you're going to be when you guys get blacklisted, you're going to be in good company. Maybe you guys can do a, a blacklisted project. At, at least I'm on a list. That's what I take it as because I, I think I'm unlisted at the moment. So I'll, I'll take the blacklist. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just uh, maybe you just need to go to Thailand and uh, get a gig with Chaos Entertainment, which transitions us to the last thing we're going to talk about. Uh, Shiro's. Now, this popped up on my radar because somebody tweeted about it. Is that how it popped up on your radar, too? Well, no, because you had you had other reasons you knew about it. But I saw somebody tweet about it this week. Uh, Yeah, someone tweeted about it. And when I watched the trailer, which I thought the trailer was really well done uh hats off to the trailer editors um i I sent it to a friend of the show jordan cruciola and i said did you make this lol and she uh (laughs) and then she posted it and we're kind of laughing because it it you know i think the general concept um is is like the type of things that i've talked with her and that she would like to to work on uh and then i had forgotten when i said oh we should watch this to my wife she said oh i did looping on that um and so you know um former guest of the show, uh, my wife, Pet, as uh, also, you know, an actor, and she'll sometimes get brought in to do loop group on different projects. And uh, I do remember her coming back. Oh, when sorry, she worked. For those who don't know, like, like myself, what's the looping exactly? <laughs> so like, um, there's a there's a scene in this where they um, bust into a bad guys, uh, or even just the bar, I'll say in the first half, like there's a bar They're they're visiting Thailand. And they're in a bar and they want to have um like authentic voices of people in the crowds and so my wife can speak a little thai she can speak loud so so they'll have people come in to a sound booth and it's usually anywhere between like five to twelve people and you'll just kind of make up different conversations and then the mixer can put it into the corners of the frame so that it feels populated when you see all these people on screen and so if you've ever watched a rough cut of a movie that doesn't have this you'll be like, something's wrong with this movie because we've just, we're used to hearing it on everything that, that, that when we see people in a frame in a party scene, we're used to feeling like, like whispers and like that they're alive. So when you're watching a rough cut, it's usually just the main characters, um, you know, lav mic and whatever music the, the editor's doing at the time. And it, and it usually is one of those things that you oh, this feels unfinished. Um, so it's one of those last things that you do in post to kind of uh, populate things like um, for uh, for Beyond Skyline. It was like all the people getting sucked up in downtown L.A. I just had everybody there and, ah! and, and they, they do all the screaming and it's very fun. Uh, I, I have a blast doing it. I had, I had to do it myself on um, Beyond Skyline because we run out of money at that point. So I usually you hire this other director to direct everybody to do all the stuff but i was like yeah i i i kind of know uh what i want and um and so anyway that's what a loop group is so she had done it and um and she was like yeah she she kind of felt like it was there maybe a slightly problematic premise just from some (laughs) of the loop group footage that she had seen she's like yeah it's 
kind of three white girls just like killing a bunch of Asian people. Uh, so uh, <laughs> anyway, Mike, what were your thoughts? Well, so obviously when you said, hey, should we watch this? I'm like, yeah, we should watch this because it has I feel like. I feel like this show has somewhat gotten away from our roots of DTV and streaming stuff. We keep talking about these big budget movies. And and so anytime we can bring it back to that, I'm happy to do it. I feel like this is a good up. Kandahar and this are, are exactly the bread and butter of what we should be doing here. So I, first of all, I should say it is not available for rent. So uh, I spent $12.99 on this. So support independent action filmmakers and, and buy your movies. Um, I knew I was in trouble when the opening title card said chaos entertainment. And I went, Oh no. And then we go through the opening credits and it's written and directed by a guy named Jordan Gertner. But then we get to the cinematography and it's directed by which chaos Ananda. And he's the executive producer on it as well. And for those who go all the way back to the Adkins undisputed days, you know that Brennan Store from the Ghost Story guys and I did a very extensive deep dive on um, Zero Tolerance, uh, directed by Chaos, and we did a very extensive deep dive on Chaos's career. Uh, and so I feel like Chaos is a Chaos's DNA is part of this show. So when I say what I'm about to say, understand that I actually kind of have a lot of sympathy and admiration for chaos because that guy has been fucked in his career multiple times i call him chaos i used to make fun of him for that i brennan actually did a bunch of research turns out that that name was foisted upon him when he was when he was in discussions for ballistic x versus sever uh they the studio basically told him look we're not going to put this out with the name which which chaos ananda um, you know, come up with something. He's like, I guess that's chaos, I guess, you know? And of course, immediately, as soon as everybody saw it directed by chaos, he just, you know, I mean, myself included, we all just jumped on him. Um, so, and he's, he's had all sorts of projects, start, stop, get torn apart, all sorts of stuff. Um, he is a, a director and a filmmaker that is based in Thailand and he, he does make the movies, you know, he gives Thai actors work and stuff like that. So, I have nothing but love for chaos. However, no matter how much love I have, it cannot negate the fact that the man is not a good filmmaker. Uh, you know, he directed my he directed my least favorite movie uh, of the year last year, which was Invincible with Johnny Strong and Marcos Roar. Um, you know, he uh, he he just and even though he didn't write and direct this his fingerprints are all over this movie um it's got highly saturated colors which he's very good at he's very good at colors all of his movies are colorful uh and 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 kind of in still shots look really beautiful um but it's also got his hallmark of incredibly long establishing shots way longer and way more establishing shots than any movie should have uh, and way more unrelated montages than any movie should have because all of his movies are 65 minute movies that they've got to stretch out to feature length. And, and it, it just, it shows. Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I have to say, first and foremost, not to sound too negative. It is not unwatchable. Uh, the movie is not unwatchable. Uh, there is definitely some good stuff. 
Um, there's an actress in it named Wallace Day who has has been in quite a few movies. I can't remember what her big movie was, uh, but she plays a she plays a character named Ryder that is is absolutely cliched. Oh yeah, it's not a big movie, but she she took over uh, for uh, Ruby Rose in the Batwoman series, playing Kate Kane. Um, mm. She's pretty damn terrific in this. She gets to do all the action scenes and she cuts a pretty impressive action lead. Um, Isabel Furman from the orphan movies is in it playing out. Wait, uh, wait, yeah. Let's just, let me just jump in on yeah. Wallace day there because there, I, I agree. And I, I think a lot of the cast um, does well and I wouldn't put the movie on, on them, but she, um, she definitely like, look, she's not a young Angelina Jolie, but there's times where there's uh, some, some Tomb Raider vibes in some of the stuff she does in this. And I thought, uh, she definitely would have a a future in in action if she would want to pursue it. Yeah, agreed completely. I, and, and again, I think out of all the actresses, she cuts the most um, action figure. And I don't I don't mean that physically, but just when she's on screen, she's the one that your eyes are immediately drawn to because she's got a she's got a poise, a posture, and a presence that that the other actors don't have in the movie. Um, it was fun seeing Isabel Furman just do something completely different because I don't I don't know much of her career other than the orphan movies. So it was interesting to see her, you know, go just go all gung ho on this. Um, the biggest problem, I think, is this is such a weird movie in terms of trying to be raw, raw girl power written and directed by a dude with an absolute sleazy dude edge to it. I mean, this thing is male gazy as fuck but the problem is this is the other problem and this is actually another hallmark of chaos's movies it won't commit to being sleazy as fuck there's a there's a scene where there is a a you know two girls are hooking up and now in a good old-fashioned sleazy male gazy movie like an andy sedaris movie we should at least be getting an, a good sex scene there right you know we should be getting some boobies and we should be getting some some stuff no it cuts away so it can't even commit to sort of its its edgelord sleaziness. Uh, so it exists in this world where it's regressive and problematic without going so far into exploitation that it comes around to being fun again. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a weird, very... It's also... Okay, this movie is really giving um, some movies a run for the number of F-bombs in it. But again despite that it still feels very staid and safe it really other than all the f-bombs in it it kind of feels like a pg-13 movie uh it would so it's just a weird it's a weird mix uh i thought um okay wait so uh, as opposed to the other movie about white girls beating up asians in, in asia and looking hot uh, uh that are alive you think this is not that are alive level of, of fun well, Dead or no, absolutely not. Dead or Alive is is, is a is a much better movie. But it, there's, it, it's just so funny that they didn't cast at least one of the three leads to be Asian. To be honest, like it, it's just it seems like kind of a a, a big mistake because. And then the the only other lead of the group uh, is African American girl, and she's the one who gets taken hostage. So it's just the three white girls to the rescue in Asia. And you're wait, like, wait, so actually, I forgot. So fuck spoilers. So the movie is like the white girls go to go to Thailand and they fight pirates. Is that some shit like that? What's going on? 
Drug yeah, dealers. Drug, drug dealers. dealers. Drug dealers. There's a bad their luggage gets mixed up. They end up with a bunch of coke and uh the drug dealers kidnap their friend. And uh and so then they're trying to get their friend back. And so yeah, that's so like, I mean that's just like a look, there's a lot of casting issues in it, and I think Mike um kind of hinted at it, but the main thing is that Sasha Luss as the lead is just totally miscast, and that Isabella Isabel Furman should have been the lead. Uh, if you switch those two roles and you have Sasha Luss kind of play this actress, um, you know, over the top, uh, for lack of a better word, bimbo, and you have Isabella Furman play this movie obsessed kind of resourceful nerd. Uh, sorry if that's the more obvious choice, but it just totally would have worked wait, <laughs> compared wait, to wait, what wait. they have where Sasha wait, Luss is just trying to act she's supposed to be a movie producer's daughter who knows everything about movies and that's going to help them get through this crisis situation wait, wait they're, not, they're not they're not like cops or like fucking gymnasts or no, like no, no, fucking... no they're 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 like debutante like uh, you know just just la LA yeah chicks. like la la rich white girls yeah 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 like but wait so they don't have they don't have like kung fu training what wait, wait wait i don't know i don't know uh, kind of, i don't understand the premise there they fight the pirates or the drug dealers from with movie Lower, yes, yes, you are correct, sir. <laughs> I actually, so I actually had a theory watching this that was not proven true. I had a theory that this was going to be like a game setup that like Sasha Luss had had set all this up as this very elaborate, you know, ARPG to give her girls a really, you know, a really fun time in Thailand. No, because because it is so ridiculous because there's so many scenes of Sasha Luss saying, you know, I've seen all my dad's movies. I know they're going to do this and they're going to do this. And she's right every single time. Like it doesn't even she's like, they're going to call us and they're going to make an offer for a drop here and all this. And she's right every single time. <laughs> no way. Um, but I'm with Liam. She is, you know, for those who listen to this show, you might know her. She's the star of Anna. She's a, a Luke Bazan protege. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but uh she's and i i hate i hate to level this criticism because it it sounds tacky but also you know there is a fact if english is not your primary language sometimes you have to factor that into the performance and english is very clearly not her her primary language and because of that i mean she's Let's just say she is not the reason to even think about watching this movie. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't like kicking indie movies. When no, 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 we don't. And, and and I will give her uh, like when she's in scenes that are a little bit more reminiscent of Anna, like when she's one on one with the with the male lead and she's just doing sort of a normal movie scene. I could tell she was just so much more comfortable and kind of fit. But when you have them all doing these like rah-rah girl power scenes together where they're partying, which is literally the first 30 minutes is a nonstop, let's have the best night ever for 30 minutes. That it that's just like has to be an organic energy that's actually harder than it looks to capture and fake. And then you know, you don't really buy for a second that any of them are friends and that any of this is uh is really energetically happening. Um so yeah, I, I think those scenes are are harder. For for really everybody, but um, yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah, they uh, they uh, you know they spend the first thirty minutes just railing cocaine. I mean, they're they're not exactly your traditional uh, heroes, movie heroes. Uh, no, and I I do like that the one girl is just like a straight up cokehead, and she's like, yeah. "Where is the blow? I'm trying the to one, turn this beach trip into a ski trip." I the one like, that wow. you would you would literally <laughs> expect to be like in a in a traditional movie, the one that would be like the mousy one that is like, "Guys, come on, let's not do this." No, yeah, she's just a fucking Hoover. Like she's. Just like you could, you could just run run lines all the way through Bangkok, and she'd just go around like snorting them all. Um, and listen, I'm not saying that that women aren't like that, but I do think there is that that feeling that you're saying where it's very dude written women, um, and some of that's accurate, and some of it feels like I don't I don't know if these people actually exist. Um, if this is just having, a fantasy, having in my past life partied with people who are very much like the people in this movie. There's still nothing about their dialogue and their inter- interactions that ring authentic. Right. I have I have seen plenty of women rail lines of cocaine, but the the way they talk in this movie is not it's not accurate. It, it sounds like how dudes think women talk. Yes. Um and so it yeah, I, okay. Other positives. <laughs> a, a a and I I don't I can't think of his name, but the the guy that plays the main bad guy is a Thai actor who has shown up. He shows up in a lot of Chaos's movies. He was in that uh, Nicholas Wending Refn movie, um, The Only God Forgives. He's a great actor, and he's having a ton of fun in this one. He's having a really good time in this one. Um, and it has a crap ton of practical burn effects. Uh, there are people getting lit on fire left and right in this movie, and most of it is practical. It's enhanced with CGI, but there is a ton of practical burn effects, which I was surprised to see for a movie of, of this budget and, and resources. Um, I don't want to continue to kick it. I don't really have much else to say other than it, it's chaos, and he's involved in it. He didn't direct it, but he may as well have. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, you know what you're going to get into. You can decide whether that's worth your $12.99. Um, it is not without redeeming qualities, uh, but it's it's going to be hard for me to give it a full recommendation. Yeah, like I I finished it and um and and we me my wife and I had a lot of funny back and forth discussions on it. So like into that itself, a lot of movies I think um, in this you know sort of uh, bracket. Are, are are like you said they're not uh, it could be unwatchable it's not unwatchable it actually it goes down pretty easy and and the the ending action sequence uh you know has its pleasures be, it's it looks like it's all shot you know on location in thailand so they have uh definitely more of a production value than you'd think um uh to, to kind of send everything off so yeah i i, I don't know about 12.99 but it, when it shows up on streaming it's worth you know a look it's a Tubi ass movie. There is no question. This is a Tubi ass movie, and this will be on Tubi. Like, like, is the Tubi is the way to watch this. Uh, if people want to watch it, I will say the first act is by far and away the 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 toughest part of the movie to get through. Um, the the whole party, Raylan lines of coke dancing montages that just go on. That's just clearly there. Like, there's an entire montage where they're driving around Bangkok. And they're in the car singing to a song, but the song that's playing on the soundtrack is clearly not the song that they were singing to when they were filming. And they don't even make any attempt to try and have their lips and their movements and their motions like line up. Um, but once you get through that first act, 
there's some there's some decent there's some decent stuff in there. There's a pretty decent Ong Bak ripoff fight in the middle of it that uh, that that uh, Wallace Day has. That again, choreography is not going to blow you away, but it's well shot. You can see everything that's going on. So yeah, um, if you watch it, get through the first act, and and you might have a decent time with it. Um, she did her job. I agree. She did, she her, did job. her job. She did her job. Yeah, I I, I think and and you know everybody here did. Uh, Sasha Luce being completely miscast, notwithstanding, everybody here did the assignment. You know, um, it just is what it is. So, uh, knowing, understanding the assignment is not necessarily going to make up for lack of talent. Uh, and we'll just leave it at that. So, all like right, boys, we have a running gag where like we've tricked some, we tricked each other to watch some bullshit. Would you guys trick yourselves into watching bullshit this week? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but also, the other part is, um, also I'd love that. Um, so like you know, like. Whenever we're talking about war movies, I have all my background experience where I pull from. But like, you know, because I was an Intel nerd, I didn't like have any like I didn't go to college till like when I was an old man. So I don't have any I don't have any old party stories. So I love the insight from you guys of back in your days, seeing seeing chicks railing lines. And I love this stuff. It's like wow. My expanding my mind. I love this thing, the insight you have. It's oh cool. man, I've got I've got like a thirteen year old, so I can't go too into detail. On <laughs> yeah, stories, yeah, and, man, and I, there's, there's, uh, knowing there's, what I do for a living, I have to also I can't really go too into <laughs> detail. But uh, um, you would be surprised, is all I would say. Yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> um, but this was yeah. a this was well, this was in a time pre fentanyl too. Yeah, uh, just to, yeah. just to put that out there as a disclaimer. Um, you know, I I, 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 I will... haven't. I haven't been out there in the streets in a long time, but it's it's a much more dangerous world than it was in the blessed decade of the aughts, yes. which is the golden era of humanity. I, I will also say the moral of this movie is if you happen to be on vacation and find that one of your duffel bags has been replaced with a duffel bag full of Coke, maybe your first thought shouldn't be, let's open up one of the kilos, mind you, and and... <laughs> do it all in one night. I'm just saying that's maybe not the best strategy. <laughs> so um anyway, and the other thing I do want to say on this is just uh, just not even about the movie but it kind of to address something Liam had said a while ago when you said, you know, something comes along like John Wick and we have notes and we'll talk about our we'll do our, you know, five-star three-star movies. That's one of the things for me with this movie is look, is this movie worse in every conceivable way than fast x yes absolutely this is this is a thousand times worse than fast x <laughs> i will always be harder on the movie with the 300 million dollar budget that misses the mark than the movie with the three million dollar budget directed by chaos that that just doesn't <laughs> succeed because big budget movies have no excuse this has all the excuses in the world for why it turned out the way it did um, and so that's why I'm always coming in hot on these big budget movies, as opposed to giving something like Shiro's a pass, because there's no fun in. I could sit here and do an hour on everything that's god awful about this movie. There's what, what what am I accomplishing by that? <laughs> you're either gonna you're either gonna watch a movie called Shiro's that's from Witch Chaos Ananda, or you're not. I mean, you know, right? Like that just is, you know who you are. You're either that person or you're not. <laughs> so I, I just, I, to go back to our exoticism, fast X discussion, because things got intense. So let's, let's put it, is that 
like fucking him driving down a dam as it explodes is some Bollywood ass shit. Like it, it is. No, like, I. It, if you remember when we did our Fast X episode, I said it's Bollywood stuff. I just think it misses the mark. I don't think it's as good as a. Now that being said, that, there are that that's fine. Yeah, there are a fuck ton of unwatchable Bollywood movies. You know, we <laughs> we have the privilege of watching the good shit. Yeah. You know, like like that's that's. I I've seen one Bollywood movie this year. It's been Patan. I know for a fact there have been some terrible ones released. So the ones that would make with this big budget that would make Fast X look like an Oscar worthy movie. So that's where that's why I bristled at the exoticism complaint, because it's it's not that it's that I'm very selective about the Bollywood movies that I watch. Uh, so when I go off on something like Patan, it's because I I picked one that I knew was going to be great. Uh, yeah, I just it's like you could do a cut of Tiger in War and Vin Diesel in Chronicles of Riddick, and they're like doing so many similar hero poses. Well, but the other thing is yeah. here's the other thing. You know, when you said when you were pushing back on the fast movies are, are uncool, I think they have grown uncool because I am a I love Chronicles of Riddick. And I think Riddick, I think when it comes to posing and and all of that sort of stuff. To me, it just feels like Vin's heart is so much more in Riddick than it is in Dom Toretto. I feel like these last three movies, Vin's just been going through the motions on them. And that's the problem. And I think that's what Vice was trying to get at. Because I get it. I get I get the complaint. I just, for whatever reason, Fast X has kind of gone up a little bit in my mind since I watched it. Because I've seen so many people mm. posting clips. And I've mm. kind of come to think it's like a little bit more fun than than i was uh feeling at the time like i, I kind of like that it's so off the rails and that it's like fucking chaotic i i like it in my head a little bit better than how buttoned up um i'd say eight and nine are i don't know yeah. there, there's something a little bit exciting of the fact that like it, th that they have so much chaos happening um, but anyway, I, I haven't rewatched it, but, um, but yes, obviously I'm a Riddick guy first and foremost. Um, and I'm, I'm going to watch, uh, part three again today. This has been, uh, quite a long time and, uh, enjoying everybody, uh, tweeting at me about their, their favorite Vin fights because it is, it is interesting. And it goes with the criticism of like, he should have more at this point that are as good as the end of Chronicles of Riddick. So it's, fair enough. It's, by the way, my vote is it's the, it's the fight on the prison planet. Uh, they fight as they're right before they leave the prison planet in Riddick, but only in only the in the director's only cut. in the director's cut. It's unwatchable. I the just theatrical. watched it. Oh, yeah, so it's on Netflix. So I was like, oh, I'm going to just put on the theatrical because I've only been watching the director's cut since 2009 or or whatever. What was it? Six? Oh, maybe it's actually four. It's 2004, isn't it? Something like that. Um, so I'd only been watching the director's cut and I saw that it was on Netflix. I'm like, oh, it's a 4K. I'll watch uh, that. And my God, that theatrical version of it, I think they they had to drop out the sound effects to get the R rating. So it just does the score and there's just knives going into people without any squishy sounds. It makes me nuts. I, and it's I would... it's so chopped. I mean, it is so it is Mortal Kombat level bad. Not I don't want to say bad editing because they they had to edit it to get to get the PG thirteen rating. But I mean, it is Mortal Kombat bad. But that's so I I will we're we're running long, but whatever. No, no, no this is uh, fun. This is fun. Um, I am um, 
When I saw Chronicles of Riddick, it was absolutely one of my most disappointing theatrical experiences at that time because I loved Pitch Black. I loved it. I saw Chronicles of Riddick. I liked the story. I liked that they went big with it. I didn't have any problem with that, but I thought it it felt chopped to shit. The action scenes were terrible. Um, the, the the story didn't make any sense, really. Uh, there, there's things that didn't flow together. Being who I am, I still, of course, bought the Blu-ray when it, or the, the, I guess it was the DVD at that point when it came out with the director's cut. And the director's cut, it, it is it is up there with Kingdom of Heaven to me in terms of director's cuts being a revelation as far as the movie goes. And I, I was all in after seeing the director's cut. I was like, I get you needed it to be a PG-13, but this is a better fucking movie. And this isn't one of the biggest bombs of the year if you release this movie in theaters. You've got you've got people coming from Pitch Black. They they want Vin Diesel going. It did not know who it was fucking with. You know you 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 want that from this movie. And yeah, yeah, it was. A, I think it's a bad tactical mistake to put it out as PG thirteen. Normally, I get it, but I think in this case, because the director's cut of Chronicles of Riddick is fucking fantastic. If people yeah. have not watched it, it's fantastic. And, 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 you know, usually you just never go back to the theatrical, but for whatever reason, I kind of wanted to, it had been so long and, uh, it reaffirmed like, man, that, that, that was a much less satisfying experience than, than the director's cut. Um, and yeah, so well, there, I hundred percent agree. There's yeah. so much more nerd lore that explains so much in it too. You know, Ju- Judy Dench's whole thing is, is so much better in the director's cut. You're like, Oh, Oh, you're actually there is a reason why Riddick can do all this shit that you completely cut out of theatrical, you know, that, that, so it makes no sense why Riddick is this special person that the, you know, and it's like, Oh, Oh, well that makes, yeah. Now he's like, he's fucking Conan, right? Like he's got like this, (laughs) he's got like this, this legend behind him that he's, that he's building. So yeah, it's, there's just weird little lines that aren't in it too, where he's like, do I know you? Have I met you on some distant field? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Lord Marshall. Uh, uh, great performance. You're going to enjoy the third one on your rewatch again. It's that's a good ass. Oh movie. God. And that's why I said, I people, no one mentioned that the, 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 the first act where he has to kill that alien as, as one of his great fights. Cause I do think it is. Um, you know, like the, the, the amount of time that he has to get better at, at killing that alien in the cave, it's just very, very satisfying. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mostly my thoughts on Riddick, uh, well, kind of Riddick, uh, in uh, the uh, podcast that they recently shout out to the uh, diesel system guys, uh, that they had me on there for uh, last month. Um, so you know, I, t- I talked about it there, but mainly I was like more of the um, you know, I do my I do my bullshit, uh, Galaxy brain thematic stuff going on, you know, like uh, Riddick is like the uh, he's like the uh, personification of anti life. He's like the he's death, but like in the good death, like you know, the end of the end, he's the omega of alpha, but you need the omega to have the alpha anyway. <laughs> really, really, I kind of yeah. like that, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you, if you have time, you can do the podcast, but well, I, fuck it, we're going along anyway. Just um, like the stuff he says, the, the stuff people say in the movie, like uh, the imam, you know, he's like in the beginning of the movie, I'm prepared for to die, are you? And his whole thing is that uh, he's he's a, above all else, Riddick is a, a survivor. Like he's he he's fighting and he's surviving, and you never really sh- clear why. Like there's there's no like he, there's no end goal objective for him. It's just to survive. And then you have the but then in this case, the necromonger is like the they're gonna cheat or surpass death. 
And Rick is like, no, things must die. He even says it when like the uh, uh Dench says, uh, will you the universe end? Are you gonna let the universe end or die? And he says everything dies one day or something like that. Like he's like, no, death is a good part of nature. We we have to let it happen. And like even though he's even though he's a survivor, he also is the he is death, the harbinger of death. Also, like everything he, everything he touches dies, including the stuff he loves, quote unquote. Like that's just, that's that's his destiny is to be death. Hey, yeah, yeah, galaxy brain shit going on here. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of galaxy brain, uh, before we go, I want to do uh, change gears real quick. Uh, shout out to uh, because because we are true blue patriots that tried and true. What's 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 the proud boy version of a patriot? We'll get that shit out. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We want to do that <laughs> <laughs> because apparently that's that's people. We, I, okay, so whole thing is that I love the fucking Transformers movies. Well, no, I love that they're so disgusting. And I love what they what they're saying without without me even meaning to say them. So for years I've been talking all this shit about you know. What's really, what is they really saying about Transformers? People were like, you're a fucking idiot. So I was so I was joyed to see on YouTube recently. Um, uh, there's a YouTube guy. I uh, say his uh, his name is uh, Empire Empire Records on his YouTube. And apparently, uh, from what I'm told, he's a uh, former or uh, current uh, VFX artist. But he does some like essays about you know the, the deeper themes and stuff to movies. And so I just uh this I was interested to to see somebody who normally people praise the Bay film Bay filmers for their technical prowess. They they like kind of groundbreaking. Visual things. So just for interesting for me to see a, uh, a visual person get into the thematic stuff so deeply, and also kind of like in his essay he describes. Well, for one thing, he actually um, connects the seemingly incoherent lore, quote unquote, of the movie. Like what, his reading of it all makes sense as one cohesive thing, even though like more or less they kind of just made it up, made it up as they went along. But like again, this is the power of Bay. Like he doesn't. He's so um, works from it so much that. And almost like whatever coherent thing happens by accident, but yet it still come out of him no matter what. So you know that's just, that's just one of the fun things to go about, about the essay, and also just um you know just, just the fact that the art the the, the YouTuber uh, he says uh, at the end of the day he appreciates that even having a negative feeling in a movie is has value has worth has merit. So like uh, to ha have any kind of work any kind of art go for that going for that negative feeling is not a bad thing like. It's not the same thing as provoking somebody. It's like a here is something that I felt that's wrong or, or bothers me, and I want to express that. And if you're bothered by it too, that's that's actually that's good. You should be bothered. Like you know the whole thing with the Romeo Juliet thing or the, or the nigga boss. Like that should upset you because I think I think in some way it upsets him too. You know, and like yeah, just, yeah. That's a really interesting it's an essay that it goes to that kind of weird stuff like that. And um, yeah, I I really dug it because he has he has a more clear cohesive uh, overall point about how the films work and why they why they uh, engaged him so much like they did to me. So when we were finishing Skyline, um, the first one, we were at a sound place and it was where they had done the recordings for uh, Mud Flaps and Skids. <laughs> and they were telling us a little bit about the story and they just said that the guys were struggling and they couldn't figure out what it was. And then the guy just started doing dumber and dumber stuff. And then finally Bay was like, that's it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Go with that. And so they just, you know, they, like, they just like sound as dumb as possible. And so I, I just find a lot of it with him is, is just, it's with tickling his funny bone. It's trying not to be boring and it's lashing out into all these directions. So thematically um, I'm, I'm always a little less, interested in into delving into that than i am and just kind of like 
I think from a filmmaking standpoint is, um, you know, like to there, there's a, there's a certain, um, it's almost like I'll critique, like there's like, there's like a tendency to not want to go big in a lot of movies and, and performances. Right. And it's like, I'll stay reserved. I'll stay small. And that feels more realistic, but like in a Bay movie, like everyone, like it's what I always talk about does look like they literally just drank uh, a gallon of coffee or maybe did something illegal. And they're just like, 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 you know, Shia LaBeouf, when he's trying to get in to see Bumblebee, he's like, where's, where's Bumblebee? And you're like, Oh my God. Like, but that I, I kind of like years later into this process, uh, when I look at it, I go, ah, it's like, I, I gotta, I gotta push that more, that energy more, and not have this like, oh, keep things reserved, keep things reserved, and then explode. Like I kind of like just taking that, and it, and it not necessarily in these strange, um, you know, politically incorrect humor stuff. I'm not, I'm not really <laughs> interested in that. But just from a like a tempo and an energy level yeah. to understand what he's doing in different scenes and to have tone changes within scenes that are kind of fearless and stuff like that. So that, that to me is what I get so much from watching his movies is that the, like there, the, there's a definite fearlessness in the, almost any situation. The problem with that approach is if you're not Michael Bay, uh, you can end up with something that's unwatchable. Uh, I, I won't sure. I won't shout out the director of the movie. I will just simply say if anybody's seen a movie where Daniel Radcliffe has guns stapled to his hands, that is an example of that <laughs> technique and that method, but by somebody that's not Michael Bay. And it, you know, it, it made my eyes bleed. Um, so, <laughs> which is obviously not you, Liam. I think, no, you no, have, no. I, you I have, think he's, I think he's trying to, that was, that was definitely like Bay times crank, you know, um, but like, look, there's there's just different things where I'm like, um, when I go back and watch different scenes where I, I I feel like performances are reserved and small, and that's how I wanted them. And I think, oh, maybe I should have like pushed to go a little bit bigger in these different places and and give yeah, a little bit more energy. For, I think for, it, sorry, I was just gonna say, I think for example, you know, you can disagree with me on this because it's weird talking about your actual movie, but I kind of <laughs> feel like Bernhardt probably could have gone a you could have gone a little bigger with Bernhardt. Right. Because we know Bernhardt can go big. Um, so, you know, yeah, yeah, I, get, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just little it's like little places where um, and we did go bigger, um, you know, with uh, where, where after after Rose, um, you know, kind of fucks up and it's post after one of their team members dies and we have Bernhardt versus uh, Rose and Lindsay kind of went really big on some of the takes in it. And I felt like it was like, ah, it, it, you know, she's the one who fucked up. So if she's kind of pushing back really hard at him here, maybe it's going to be sort of unlikable that she's not taking any responsibility for what happened. And so I still agree with that uh, decision because I think what ended up being better. But it's more even just like in the first act scenes where she's just walking into the place and she's. Um, you know, and we're meeting all the people like in a Bay movie, everyone's swagger would be up like 15% from what minor. So it's just one of those things to go back and be like, man, up the, up, up some of the chances, take more chances. And uh, you know, you, you, you can, you can edit them out, but don't be so kind of um, safe and reserved, like to take a few more kind of uh, swings at it 
and whether or not they hit or not, you know, you, you deal with that in the editing. But um, yeah, so that, that's sort of some of the stuff that I take away that I don't know if necessarily people just always think about it as, uh, you know, trying to get the the, the filming style or, um, you know, the other thing I always take away from him is, is the way he uses locations and scenes like fucking uh, the last night. It's just like, why is the the military guy who's in every single one of the Transformers movies, he's down in this fucking warehouse that stretches on for a million miles on every side of him. No one else would be like, we're going to put his uh, meeting table in the middle of this fucking, you know, cavernous warehouse, but it looks cool. And so there's just certain, some of those things that you get locked into thinking what logically uh, things should be instead of just saying like, like, again, that sort of like fashion photographer, like what's gorgeous, what's beautiful, what's um, unexpected, and just trying to push against being boring and flat and uh, monochromatic. Yeah. And I, I, do, I, have it, I have taken what you've been saying at heart about um, just like his desire to just not be boring. Like that's his like mandate. And I think um, I, I, I do think it kind of it does tie in a little bit with that, that like galaxy brain stuff because um, just like what's boring – What's not boring to him is crazy or fascinating because he's a interesting person in general. Like he's a fascinating human being, and like um, so just 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 where where his where his brain is at, that all that comes. You know, I just really admire that stuff. Like you know, so what, what what's exciting to him is like, you know, crass or horror horrific. There'll be other people. But that's why it's fun. You know, <laughs> he's just like fucking go for it. Yeah, so it's definitely part of it. You know, there's definitely like and like, you don't have to be. I was how do I say that? I was gonna say. I was about to say you don't have to be an interesting person to make a good movie, but I don't know how, how, how people want to take that. But uh, <laughs> but um, I don't like uh, if you have something to say, you know, that's that's one thing. But like you, you could be a boring dude, like like I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, if you have something to say, that then that the movie will, the movie will take you there. But if you're just, if you're just like a fucking weirdo, then the movie's always going to hit somebody. You're always going to be like out catch no matter what you no matter what you're saying. You're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I think that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I, I will leave us with this, just not unrelated to uh, to Michael Bay, but to Liam, what you said about great use of locations. Uh, I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but shout out to very, very underrated bit of John Wick chapter four is Winston having to walk like a mile to issue the uh, the uh, challenge to the marquee. He's in that museum and, and Chad sticks on us and, and just Winston walking and walking and walking and why like it's actually a really underrated bit of comedy in a movie that needed a little bit of levity right there like like it, it was just and i'm like is he's he's hanging on this even longer like like it, it's one of those bits of comedy where it's like okay you think it's gonna be done and then chad's like and one more time <laughs> you know? so anyway yeah it's a, it's a bunch of big big rooms and then jumping before like why is that dance club so big Cause fuck it, why not? <laughs> why is these stairs so big? Yeah. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> why is this museum so big? Fuck it, why not? Yeah, yeah. It's the once you put it in on on, on lenses and stuff, it's like you, you kind of need it. But man, they have the extras to really make it work. I mean, are you, can you, we're getting a director's cut of that movie, so we're getting like a four-hour long movie injected no, in, in, no, into my veins, hours, into my yeah. veins. Like, like I'm actually going to not. I'm going to skip my veins. I'm going to shoot that straight into my eyeballs. Just right in there like give me give you me it. hot take john wick four three hours sucks john wick four four hours masterpiece there we go it's fixed now perfect all my problems done 
I need, I needed that extra hour of a pit. I need an extra you hour. You know, Frankie, Frankie was like saying the same thing too. I'm like, wait, you guys were complaining the whole fucking time about the runtime. And then the four hour cut, everyone's fucking going nuts for it. It's so funny. Yep. All right, Vice, where can people find you? Oh, shit. I'm on Instagram at Vice Vitus, looking hot. On Letterbox, being smart. Uh, we'll do reviews and stuff. And as always, until it blows up, I am on Twitter at Vice Victus, talking all the shit. Who try music? <laughs> Liam, where can people find you? Are we really doing the blue sky thing? I've got yeah. an invite. Um, yeah, but... I'm on it. I'm on it. I I I I will post on it more from the oh. from the A4E account because. Uh, but right now, there's just not there's not a lot of people there. I post something like I posted. I didn't post about Shiro's on Twitter. I posted about it on Blue Sky, and I. Not that I care, but I didn't get a ton of engagement okay. from it. So you guys being there would would kind of help drive. That. Wait, 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 uh, did, did it, has anyone checked in on the Hive graveyard? Is that still like? <laughs> no, I still have it on my phone, but I haven't logged in and checked it. Right, maybe maybe this is kind of behind the scenes, but fuck it. Well, I'll just say like you know, if, if I get on Blue Sky too, what what the fuck would I do? Like I'm I'm here on Twitter to talk shit. Do, am I? Would I not? Should I not talk shit? Like if I go on Blue Sky, I don't know. I don't understand the. Yeah, yeah, Blue Sky is a little more of a place where you can like talk about like, like Blue Sky as it stands right now would be a little more welcoming to you hypothesizing about the role of the military in Michael Bay movies without 8,000 randos just saying, you know, shut the fuck up, baby killer. So, but, <laughs> but like the vibe is not really a shit talking vibe, at least based on the people that I follow and the circle that, that I'm in there. Um, kind of like how twitter used to be it's back when i used to tweet nothing but positive shit about movies i liked and now every time i open my mouth on twitter a i get a bunch of randos and b i'm just like pissed off all the time so uh, <laughs> the vibes are the vibes are much more mellow on on blue sky uh okay, so maybe, maybe i'll put my put my um steak pictures on there then i'll talk shit on twitter okay i, I got it i'll follow you yeah uh, I, I i literally posted about you know Ro robert ebert's review of chronicles riddick and wrote in the the tweet that i loved it and was like you know, kind of disappointed when I saw it, but it was so funny. And then I have people arguing with me against Roger Ebert. And it's like the, the reading comprehension is is so low. It's insane. It's all of a sudden, you're, like you can post something and now you have to argue with people on either side of what you are posting because they're so fucking dumb. Uh, it can be quite frustrating. And it is just like, it's almost like you just wish there was just like the, the A for E um uh, separate twitter that we could just deal with the people that are our <laughs> friends and make our jokes about uh now one of we do have a discord that's been made but we haven't really explored it yet so maybe maybe we'll look into that um because i would like to you know occasionally um you know uh our our like saturday nights like like watch a movie and uh and and do it with uh with with a bunch of our listeners because i think that could be a lot of fun yeah definitely Right, yeah, in the works, things are happening. Yep. Movements, movements taken. Yes. Yep. So Liam Odin on Twitter, Instagram, and when he gets on Blue Sky, I am assuming you'll snag Liam Odin as well. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter, Hibachi Justice. Uh, find me on Letterboxd, Hibachi Justice. Find us on Twitter at A4E Podcast. Find us on Blue Sky at A4E Podcast. Follow us at Linktree slash A4E Podcast. Uh, and, uh, you're listening to us. So, you know, you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found. We will be back next week. We will be talking Indiana Jones, uh, because I think 
we're going to have to. Again, like I said, I'd, I'd love for us to get back to our original mission statement of more DTV stuff. Like we haven't even talked about Sisu yet. Uh, we haven't talked about we haven't talked about Mother's Day. Um, th- that Bloodhounds Korean series is apparently incredible. Yep, so, yep. But I mean, it is the summer movie season, so you know the blockbusters are going to kind of are going to kind of uh, rule the roost in terms of discussions. So uh, maybe we can squeeze a couple more smaller movies in. But we will be talking about Indiana Jones. Boys, love you. Let's do this next week. Peace. Bye, guys.